Good morning. Welcome to BCF Church. Welcome to Christmas. Isn't this amazing, this stage? I just want to give our uh, decorating team a hand. This is just a ministry where they, they express their love to God through their creativity. And you know what? I am ready for Christmas. I am so ready. Uh, not as ready as my kids were, though. Friday morning, the day after Thanksgiving, I have the day off. I'm ready to sleep in. My kids burst into our room at 6 in the morning and say, Dad, Dad, when can we put up the Christmas tree? I'm like, oh, let me sleep in till 8 at least. They're so excited. But I made the mistake this year of buying their gifts early. Now you say, how is that a mistake? I wrapped them and placed them under the tree two Sundays ago. So every day my kids are saying, when are we going to open our presents? When are we going to open our presents? My four-year-old daughter, Felicity, she says, is, is, is it time? I said, no, it's not till Christmas. Is Christmas tomorrow? No, Christmas is like 20 days from now. Oh, it's taking forever. Uh, how many of you feel like that? Christmas is taking forever. I have been ready for Christmas since last June. I mean, if ever there is a year we need Christmas, it's this one. I mean, all the things we've dealt with, the, the political craziness of the, the impeachment and then the elections and then the pandemic and the national shutdown. You know, these things seem like they're out of a movie, but it's reality. This is what we're dealing with. And now more than ever, we need Christmas. And a Christmas is going to look different this year than last year. Maybe at your gatherings, uh, there will be fewer people because of social distancing. Maybe you'll be wearing masks at your family gatherings. Maybe you'll be meeting over Zoom. It's going to look different. But you know what? I think that's a blessing in disguise. I think the fact that Christmas looks different this year forces us to see Christmas with new eyes. It gives us a chance to feel what they felt that first Christmas 2,000 years ago. And so we're launching this new series, Rediscover Christmas, Good News in Troubling Times. And today we're talking about finding hope in our uncertainties. Next week, December 13, we're going to look at finding peace in our struggles. And then on December 20th, finding joy in our discouragement. I want to encourage you, be here for all of those messages. In fact, invite your friends. We have these, these invitation cards all around the room. Invite your friends, invite your family. Come to BCF for Christmas. Finding hope, finding peace, finding joy. And then on Christmas Eve, Thursday, December 24th, we are going to have a candlelight night of worship. It's going to be at 6 o'clock and at 7.30. Now, remember, with social distancing, seating is limited. So please reserve your spot ahead of time. You can do that from our church center app or at, on our website, and you register under events. This week, we're looking at finding hope in our uncertainties. What is hope? Hope is eagerly expecting something good. Eagerly waiting expectantly for something good. Hope is what keeps you moving. Hope keeps you trying. Hope keeps you breathing. 
Back in 1989, a level 8.2 earthquake leveled Armenia. 30,000 people died in under four minutes. And after the quake subsided, one father rushed to the school where he had left his son that morning. And when he got to the school, it was flat as a pancake. And his heart broke. He thought, my son, Armand, my son. And he remembered a promise he made to his son. No matter what, I'll always be there for you. So as he, he looked at the rubble, he remembered, okay, this is where I would drop my son off. This was his classroom. And he climbed onto this huge pile of rubble and he began to dig. Other parents came, their hearts breaking, my son, my daughter. And they, they tried to pull the man off the rubble. They said, come, come, there's, it's over, there's nothing you can do. But he said to them, are you going to help me now? And they wouldn't help him. So he continued to dig. The fire department came. The, the fire captain said, sir, their fire is breaking out. This is dangerous. You need to go home. Let the professionals deal with this. And he looked at them and he said, are you going to help me now? But they didn't. And he kept digging. The policeman came. The police captain said, sir, you're putting lives at risk. Lives are in danger. Look, just go home. And he said, are you going to help me now? No one helped him, but he kept digging. He remembered his promise to his son, no matter what, I'll always be there for you. And he dug and he dug for eight hours, for 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours. He's digging, his hands are bleeding. And in the 38th hour, as the man is lifting a heavy concrete boulder off the rubble, he hears a voice. Dad, it's his son. He called out, Armand. He said, yes, Dad, I'm here. I'm here with 13 other kids. Dad, I told him, I told him, don't worry. If my dad's alive, he will come to rescue us. Because my dad promised, I will always be there for you. Hope kept that man digging. Hope kept that man believing. Hope kept that boy alive. We will not survive without hope. You know, we can live about 40 days without food. We can live for about four days without water. We can survive about four minutes without air but we will not survive without hope. How do we keep hope alive? That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at that original Christmas story and see how God kept hope alive. I want you to take you back to that first Christmas season. Actually, 40 days after the first Christmas. 40 days after the shepherds and the angels and the manger Forty days later, Mary and Joseph are living in Bethlehem, and they are just barely making ends meet. 
and they have a new baby who happens to be the Son of God, the Messiah. And they are saying, God, how are we going to do this? You see, Mary and Joseph, they'd never heard the Christmas story before. This is all new to them. The angel coming and telling Mary, you're going to have a son, even though she was still a virgin. That's new. The, the census from the Romans that forced them to pack up everything and move from Nazareth to Bethlehem, a hundred miles away. They weren't expecting that. And now they are just trying to survive. And they're saying, God, what is next? How do you keep hope alive when you're facing uncertainty? I'd like you to take out your notes, and I want you to write this down. The first thing you need to do is do the next thing. Do the next thing God has told you to do. See, Mary and Joseph, they did the next thing God told them to do. The Bible says in Luke 2, verse 23, the law of the Lord, circle that, that's the Bible. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. Now, dedicating a child to the Lord meant that they had to travel to Jerusalem to the temple of God 40 days after birth. The Bible says 40 days after a son, you bring him to the temple and you dedicate him to the Lord. And they had to bring an offering to God. Now, maybe you're facing a new season in life and you're wondering, God, what do you want me to do? Where do I go next? Often, we will find the answers in God's word. Now, it, it may not look how you're thinking. It's not like, well, God, who do you want me to marry? And you're flipping through the Bible. God, I can't find, I can't find his name in here. I can't find her name in here. But you will find 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be joined to unbelievers. You say, oh, okay. God doesn't want me to be in a relationship with someone who's not a believer. We have to have that in common. You may not find, God, do you want me to buy that Chevy or that Ford? I'm like, oh, Honda. No, it's not in here. But you find, do not owe people anything. You say, oh, God doesn't want me to go into debt to get a car. That eliminates a lot of options. Last month for our Bible reading challenge, we read through the book of Genesis. And toward the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph, who has been sold into slavery by his own brothers, he confronts them again. And he tells them this, you intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. He says, guys, don't worry. I'm going to take care of you. And maybe the next thing God wants you to do is forgive the people who hurt you. Mary and Joseph did the next thing God told them to do. They went to that temple and they gave their offering. The Bible says they offered a sacrifice required in the law of the Lord. Circle that again. That's the Bible. Either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, I know that sounds a little odd in our culture. When you're bringing your offering to God, please do not bring livestock. We are not prepared for that. But in their day, they would bring some animals. Actually, the Bible says that when a family dedicates their child, they're supposed to give a lamb. And at that time, a lamb cost about $40. Mary and Joseph did not have $40. Have you ever been there where $40 seems like a lot of money? Mary and Joseph, they don't have that. But the Bible also says, if a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Two doves cost about 
And that was all Mary and Joseph could afford. Now, they might have thought, they could have thought, you know, God, uh, we really cannot afford this offering. Look, how about instead of giving the money to you at the temple, we just take this money and feed your son? How about that? But they didn't. They did the next thing God told them to do. They gave that offering, even though they couldn't barely afford it. What is the next thing God has told you to do? Maybe your next step in honoring God is honoring God with your money. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Are you being faithful in giving? Are you faithful in returning that tithe, that 10% of your income? God says, this is mine. Are you honoring God? You know, we have a unique opportunity every year at Christmas to give. It's called our Happy Birthday Jesus Offering. This envelope in your program, this is your opportunity to say, God, I want to give my biggest gift to Jesus this year. Half of this offering will go to meet needs right here in our city. Half of this offering goes to fund missionaries telling the world about Jesus. I want you to check this out right now. We all lead busy lives, but if we could just stop everything and take a bird's eye view, a little higher, there. Now we can see the multitudes. We are fueled by a shared vision to bring the name of Christ to those who have yet to hear. So we move forward to extreme places, corners of the world that have no access to the gospel. We train missionaries, send them out together, and pray that God's grace be known. We help the hurting, comfort the dying, give hope to the displaced, and have seen thousands come to faith in Christ. We're able to do so much more together than if we were chasing this vision alone. This is our common effort, together. You saw that? Feeding people around the world? When you give, you are a part of that. Now, my wife and I, we're giving gifts to our kids, we're giving gifts to each other, to family, but we are giving our biggest gift to Jesus this year. Mary and Joseph were faithful in giving their offering, and God blessed them. God gave them a vision for the future. You see, there was another man that God brought into their path. The Bible says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Simeon, he was righteous, means he Loved God. He did what God told him to do. He was devout. And he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. I want you to circle that. Eagerly waiting. What is hope? Hope is waiting expectantly for something good. He is eagerly waiting for the Messiah, the one God would send to rescue Israel. And Israel needed rescuing. You see, 40 years earlier, Rome had conquered Israel. And the Romans were cruel, they were oppressive, they had heavy taxes on the people. And if anyone stood up to the Romans, they would take them and execute them in the cruelest way possible. They would nail them to a wooden cross and put them up on the road for everyone to see. This is what happens when you stand up to Rome. And Simeon is saying, God, we need your rescue. We need you to send the Messiah, your promised person. Where do you need God's rescue? So many of us were saying, God, rescue us from this coronavirus. 
God, rescue us. God, send that vaccine. Send relief. God, send hope. Maybe you need God's help in your finances. You're saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, much less give Christmas gifts to my kids. God, I need your rescue. How do you keep hope alive when you need God's rescue? Number two, follow the Holy Spirit's promptings. The Bible says this about Simeon. The Holy Spirit was upon him. See, God is three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is that person of God who speaks to us in our spirit and tells us, you belong to God. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah, the one who would come to rescue them. The Holy Spirit spoke in Simeon's heart and said, Simeon, you're going to get to see him. The Bible says that same day, that very day, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. The Spirit spoke in Simeon's heart and said, Simeon, go to the temple. Go to my worship center. By the way, it's not an accident that you're here today. The Holy Spirit brought you here today. The Holy Spirit led Simeon to the temple. And when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord, isn't God's timing amazing? Forty days after Jesus' birth, Mary and Joseph are obeying God, dedicating Jesus to the Lord, giving their offering. And God says, Simeon, go to the temple. I've got something for you. And he sees baby Jesus. Are you listening to God's promptings? That voice speaking in your heart saying, hey, Go talk to that person. Pray for that person. Go here. There was a lady named Bev Lacey who listened to God's promptings. Bev Lacey was an older lady, a retired missionary. And she was working as a receptionist at the men's dorm of the Moody Bible Institute, a Bible college in Chicago. And one day as she was at this reception desk... She saw this young student walk by, and she could tell something was troubling him. He said, something's, something's not right. He, his, his spirit seems down. And she sensed God saying, go talk to him. And she called him over and said, hey, 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 son, come here. Come here. Tell me something's wrong. What's going on? And he said, oh, oh, man. I just got this, this phone call today telling me that if I can't pay my... My, my housing, I'm going to get kicked out of college. Now, Bev knew this young man. She knew he was a godly man. She knew that he gave faithfully. He was generous with his money to others. He was serving as a resident assistant. That's the, they're called RAs. He was the older student in the dorm who would take care of the younger students. He said, this is a good guy. And she said, this is not right. This is not right. This young man cannot get kicked out of school. He actually had a full-ride scholarship to the school, but that scholarship didn't cover his housing, which was like $500. He didn't have that. Well, Bev said, this isn't right. She called up the dean of students. Now, talk about boldness. This receptionist, this, but she's a godly older lady. She said, dean, I've got a young man here. He is, he's a godly man. I know this young man. He's a good student. He's generous. And he's about to get kicked out of school because he can't pay for his housing. This is not right, Dean. This young man, he even serves as a resident assistant. 
And the dean heard that and he said, wait, 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 whoa. You said he's an RA? This young man should not even be paying for his housing. The dean's department covers the housing of our resident assistants. He says, don't worry, I'm going to take care of this right away. Within hours of getting kicked out of school, this young man had his housing bill paid in full. That young man's name was Kenny Lewis. The pastor who founded BCF Church. You and I might not be here today if Bev Lacey had not listened to the Spirit say, talk to that young man. Are you listening to God's promptings? Are you listening when God says, hey, take that, take that young lady out to lunch. See what's going on in her life. Hey, go talk to that young man. Send him a text. Hey, invite that person to church. Hey, ask that server at your restaurant, how can I pray for you? Are you listening to God's promptings? Simeon listened to God's prompting. He saw baby Jesus, and the Holy Spirit screamed within his heart, that's him, that's the one you've been waiting for. And Simeon came over to baby Jesus and scooped him up in his arms. And he, this was his prayer. Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord, let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. God kept his promise to Simeon, and God will keep his promises to you. God promises you, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. How do you keep hope alive? You do the next thing God told you to do. You follow the Holy Spirit's promptings. But what if you've been waiting and waiting on God and God is, you're still waiting for God to answer? What do you do if year after year you are in a painful situation and your heart is breaking? How do you keep hope alive? Don't give up in doing what's right. Don't give up in doing what's right. There's one more person the Bible mentions in that story 40 days after the first Christmas, and her name was Anna. Anna, as a young lady, she married her sweetheart. They had seven happy years together. And then tragically, her husband died. Her heart was broken. Back in those days, widows, they had next to no rights. And without a husband, without sons to take care of her, she was just about penniless. Anna was a widow for the next 60 years. That's a long time to wait for God's rescue. But at age 84, Anna is still praying. She has not given up hope. The Bible says she never left the temple, but stayed there day and night worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Anna kept doing what was right. She kept on visiting God's worship center. She kept on fasting. That means giving up food to focus on God. She kept on praying night and day. And what is she praying for? She's praying for God to rescue her people. How do you keep hope alive? 
year after year? How do you keep doing what is right? It starts with the first step. It starts by taking that first step. There's a man named Captain Tom. I should tell you how, I want to tell you how he took his first step towards hope. Back in April, just when all of this coronavirus thing was coming to a head, and people are scared and people are worried, Tom was approaching his 100th birthday. He's about to turn 100. Ten days before his birthday, Captain Tom's son-in-law challenged him. He said, Dad, I will give $1 towards charity for every lap you walk around your garden. He challenged him, I will, I'm challenging you to walk 100 laps around your garden. 10 laps for 10 days. Captain Tom took up that challenge. And each day he got his walker, and he walked around his garden, his World War II medals on his chest, walking walking. Well, Captain Tom's daughter shared a video of him doing this fundraiser. She shared it on a charity site, and Captain Tom went viral. Everyone started sharing this story of this World War II vet walking faithfully. Captain Tom single-handedly raised $40 million for COVID relief. And by the way, he is now Captain Sir Tom Moore. The Queen of England knighted him for his incredible endurance. And Captain Tom says, I'm ready to travel the world. As soon as everything dies down, I want to travel the world. You know, I hope I have that kind of energy when I'm 100 years old. But there's a great lesson about hope. You see, Captain Tom said this. He said, the first step was the hardest. The first step was the hardest. After that first step, I just got into the swing of it, and I kept going. You know, the same is true with hope. Your first step is the hardest, but you got to take that step. Maybe your first step is coming back to church. If you're watching at home right now, say, okay, I'm going to come. For those of you who are here, you're going to say, I'm going to keep coming. As long as I'm not sick, I'm going to be here. Maybe your first step is to start serving. You say, I want to I greet people as they come in. I want to welcome them to BCF Church. Maybe you're saying, I will serve out in our tent. I want to check people's temperatures, make sure this place is safe. Maybe your step is to say, you know, when we're done today, I'm going to get a rag and I'm going to get that disinfectant. I'm going to wipe down chairs so every chair is safe so we know you can be here. Take your first step. Keep on doing what's right. Don't give up. Anna did not give up doing what's right. She was in the temple day and night for 60 years. And the Bible says she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. Circle that, just as. Isn't God's timing amazing? 40 days after the birth, Mary and Joseph are there obeying God. Simeon is led by the Spirit to the temple. And at that moment that Simeon is praying over baby Jesus, just then, Anna, who's there day and night, walks up, sees this, hears Simeon's prayer. And the Bible says she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
Underline that. Waiting expectantly. That's hope. Hope is waiting expectantly for something good. And she had been waiting and waiting and waiting for years, and God answered her prayer. Don't give up doing what's right. Don't give up coming. Don't give up serving. Don't give up on giving. Don't give up on your family, loving your family even when they're broken. Don't give up praying for your children even when they seem lost. Don't give up. The Bible says let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. How do you keep hope alive? Some of you are facing huge uncertainties right now. You're wondering, what's, I don't know what 2021 is going to look like. Do the next thing God has asked you to do. Get into God's word. Say, God, show me. Show me my next step. Some of you need God's rescue. You're saying, God, help me. God says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Follow the Holy Spirit's promptings. And some of you who have been waiting and waiting for God's answer, don't give up doing what's right. See, Simeon and Anna, they had been waiting and waiting expectantly for God to come the first time. We are waiting for Jesus to come back. You see, Jesus went to heaven, but he's coming back for us. Jesus will return, and he will rescue us. He will end every injustice. He will right every wrong. The Bible says God will wipe every tear from our eyes. The Bible says we look forward with hope. Circle that, hope. We look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Jesus is coming back. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people. You see, this is why Jesus came that first Christmas. Jesus came as a baby, just like each one of us. He grew up and became a man, and he died on the cross for us to free us from every sin, to cleanse us, to make us his people. Your first step in finding hope is to invite Jesus, the source of hope, to live in your heart. BCF Church is a place for new beginnings. Your new beginning could start today. Today, December 6, 2020, you could say, Jesus, this is the day I'm starting over. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart, I want to invite you to do that right now. Right here, right where you're seated. Let's talk to God. Say, dear Jesus, just tell him, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming that first Christmas. And then tell him, I believe. I believe you died to free me from sin. I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe that you are coming again. Tell him that. And then invite him in. Say, dear Jesus, please come into my heart. Please wash me clean. Please make me a part of your family.
Tell him that right now. He hears you. Tell him that right now. Lord, come into my heart. We love you, Jesus.